Welcome to another edition of the Bluminati Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Going alongside me as always, Robert Stieg, Seth Farnador. And then well, let's uh let's just jump right into another very professional edition of the Blue Naughty Podcast. How you guys been? It's been has it even been a week? I think yeah, it may be. It must have been. I think we recorded last week, right? Yeah, we, we're we're getting more. Ready. You look like you're giving like an anonymous interview. Like you're you're spilling secrets about January sixth on a not on like anonymity, basically. I would Start I would tell I would tell that wholeheartedly, brother. <laughs> Matt, Matt, this is a Magnum PIMP. Yeah, I mean, right? goodness gracious, you know, I, I've got a. I've got to show off, you know, for the fans is really what it boils down to. Um, but, uh, you know, some things have happened over the last week uh, since we last spoke. USF football fall campus kicked off. We're less than a month away from the Bulls uh, actually playing real life football against uh, the BYU Cougars on ESPNU on September 3rd at 4 p.m. So, I mean, yeah, start paying me and I'll show more. <laughs> I've got feet picked, too. So let's let's do it. Um, That's one letter away from being totally different. <laughs> I mean, we, we could we. <laughs> I mean, we can make it if we need it. We're two minutes in, and this is just already. <laughs> oh God! Ultra professional is what you're saying. Yeah, ultra professional. Um, where do you, where do you guys? I, I want to kind of let you guys kind of steer the ship. I'm just the. Uh, the looks of the operation clearly. Um, do you guys want to talk about fall camp? Do you want to talk about recruiting? Do you want to talk about an IL? You guys pick. It's like a multiple choice. No wrong answers unless you actually give the wrong answer. I say fall camp and just yeah, get yeah. kind of through it because there's not as much. Perfect. Let's let's jump right in. So USF football fall camp started on Wednesday, year three under head coach Jeff Scott. Lots of questions we discussed last week, uh, kind of our pressing questions. Uh, I wrote an article this week, kind of what I wanted to find out uh, as before September 3rd, uh, as we head into the 2022 season, which should be the, the fulcrum for the the Jeff Scott era at USF and, you know, where where the Bulls should be with the amount of talent that's on paper on this roster. A uh, couple of quick notes, I think. Um Jeff Scott said that Timmy would take the the first team snaps on Wednesday night, and then Gary Bohannon would take the first team snaps on uh, Thursday uh, morning. And that's exactly what happened. He's hoping to kind of have this issue solved before or after the very first full team scrimmage, uh, and then give whoever wins the job the full time, the full rest of camp to start preparing for BYU. Um, through the, the press conference, did anything kind of stand out to you guys as, as Jeff Scott and, and the players kind of discuss uh, what they're expecting uh, in fall camp and in the upcoming season? Uh, I, I, the um, the seeming uh, camaraderie in the quarterback room is always good. Now it's what else you're going to say, but um, that was good to hear and kind of understand how the plan. One thing that <laughs> was – I, I feel really bad, but it, it makes me laugh is, you know, after the spring game, we're, we're getting all the talk about uh, could Travis Marsh really committing, <laughs> committing back to the program, coming back out of the portal and talking about <laughs> and talking about how he made a commitment, you know, once to get him out of the portal, they made him commit to not going back in. And it was a great deal. 
And then, you know, first press conference, like, yeah, it's a two man race. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. That's, you know, that was, uh, you know, I mentioned it in the article this week, you know, it, it, all, by all accounts, it's a two man race. Uh, wink, wink. It's probably just a one man race, just trying to get his feet wet before he takes over. And Travis Marsh is like, guys, I've been here for three years. What? what else do I have to do? Um, And uh, it's just, it's interesting how, how that kind of plays out. And, you know, rightfully so a lot of fans are kind of worried with the addition of Gary Bohan. Does it push out, you know, a couple of talented quarterbacks who um, could play for USF eventually or, or now, or could win the job. Uh, And then you're kind of back at where you were in 2018, 2019, where you're playing musical chairs with quarterbacks. You've only really have two scholarship guys and someone gets hurt. And then the other guy has a banged up hand. And now you're trotting out Kirk Rigel throwing 104 miles an hour. So it's really, it's, it's tough, especially when, when a player comes in May and you, you invest all of this time and effort into the two guys that you were really kind of expecting in the spring to be the competition. And now you're throwing in this, this wrench and it's, I'm just glad I I don't have to make that decision and have to um, handle those delicate quarterback relationships because I mean, Seth, let's be real. Quarterbacks can be kind of head cases right or wrong. Uh, Some can. Yeah. It's uh, you got to deal with some of those guys a little differently than other positions because there's only one of them that can play. So when you, when you pull them, uh, when you, you know, pull a guy out after a couple of mistakes, it can really be, uh, be tough on them. But the other thing I think this somewhat confirms to me is something we, we kind of hinted at or thought might be a possibility in when Bohannon first transferred in is that I think they just really like Byron Brown a lot. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like, all right, if somebody leaves, that's all right. We got, this is the next, this may be the next guy up anyways. So I think they feel pretty good where they're at. Obviously you don't want to name a starter too quick. Cause then guys can get in the transfer portal, but it's camp started. You can't play for a team, two teams in one season. So if you want to play football, you're going to have to stay. So I think that's why he's also pitching so much. Hey, remember people get hurt, stuff happens. If you're not the starter, you still might play. Um, right. But Bohannon seems to be the guy, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I mean, the way that Gary was kind of holding himself, I because I, I, I feel kind of uncomfortable comparing it to Timmy because Timmy is a true freshman. You know, you kind of get deer in headlights at, at times, especially talking to reporters, talking to media and everything. But Gary does carry himself quite a bit differently. Um, you know, obviously he's had to deal with the, the ebbs and flows of being on a big 12 championship football team. So, you know, he gets a, a little bit more uh, cut of the, the conversations, at least when we see them with their helmets off. So it, it was nice to hear Gary kind of talk, be candid, at least kind of letting us know why, why USF, how that came to be, because by all accounts, USF shouldn't have never have been on his radar. Um, but it was nice to hear that you know some through some mutual connection between him and a strength coach, you know that connection happened, and mm-hmm. he was like, "Fuck yeah!" I mean, like, look at the look at those Tampa summers. Look at that Tampa food. Beaches are right there. Why not choose uh, choose USF? So it, it was nice. But I, I think ultimately, you know, Jeff Scott's gonna give a quite a little political statement saying, you know, whoever the starter is, the other guy has to be ready. 
And I know that might worry some fans as, as Seth kind of mentioned, you know, the musical chairs of last season's uh, starter didn't exactly exude confidence whenever Jeff Scott says, Oh yeah, the other guy has to be ready too. Um, but I think it's a little bit of a different situation when you say what Jeff Scott did, which was last year you had four guys and you just kind of threw shit at the wall and hoped that one of them was going to be good. But now they feel confident that two guys can go in there and win, but you have to be ready at some point because you could have a situation, I don't know, like Alabama in 2018 when you know you have your starting quarterback the entire season, you have a promising true freshman, you got to figure out how to you know get this guy into the mix all of a sudden, you know, in a big moment when an injury happens late in the season, you kind of have to have that guy ready. So I think it's a very natural thing. And I, I know there was a lot of worries about, you know, what Timmy would think if Timmy was going to transfer. I mean, of course, he's going to be a little pissed off that another quarterback came in, but that's just the natural competition of it all. Um, I, I don't think that there was any, you know, malice. I don't think Timmy's, you know, sitting there with a dartboard in his dorm room throwing darts at Gary Bohannon and Jeff Scott for, you know, bring for, you know, having that situation. I think it's going to put more confidence and put, you know, better competition on the field and better competition puts better product on the field. And, you know, hopefully that leads to a few wins. Would be interesting if he did though, you know, uh Ray Finkel style, but it would actually be left hand. I'm sorry. Idiot laces out Dan. Uh, Quick question, fellas. Do we want to talk about grits? (laughs) When don't we like the, the does, does this chest hair not say, Grit to you, it does say grit. Grit. Um, so grit. we finally got the got the well, I think they told us it before. I think AJ might have said it in like an interview, but we actually got Jeff Scott to tell us and explain to us what the grit scores and rankings were. See, he told us at the coach's clinic, he Nathan did. So, okay, so I uh, oh, right, sorry, so I wasn't, I wasn't invited. <laughs> you uh, were I mean, invited, everyone was invited. I would not pass as a coach. <laughs> Look, now you got the mustache. I'm, do you I'm think I pass as a coach? Yes. You have the mustache. You can pass. Nay, you, you could absolutely pass as, a, wear, as, the head, as the offensive line coach at Clearwater. Wear a wi- just wear a whistle. You would have been fine. <laughs> That's all you need. Bro, they didn't care if you were a coach or not. They just wanted your money. That too. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I thought I was I, I legitimately thought I was going crazy uh over the last couple of days as they were discussing the, the grit rankings. Uh like it was like brand new information. And I guess it I guess it had been. I know we talked about it in the spring because I know I asked Jeff Scott on the the uh the the tour that he did, you know, around the, the Bay Area about how Tamaris Bellamy was one of the top guys in the spring grit and he just transfers out. So I Maybe maybe we didn't. Discuss. He didn't get the scale because I remember maybe. writing this. I remember writing the scale, or maybe I guess that was before spring practice. So yeah, yeah. And I think we must have, we must have talked about it. Yeah, you guys heard it here first, like four months ago. Where have you been? Yeah, where have we been? Because I re- I remember writing the scale down because I remember seeing the grit scores beforehand, and then oh, okay, this is what it actually means. So yeah. So quickly, you know, one to ten, you know, Brad Cecil leading the way. You're leading your starting center you're you're one of the what longest tenured bulls uh right now along with uh uh Mitch Harris uh so he leads the way but the, I think the interesting thing is is four newcomers with Gary Bohannon 
uh, Byron Brown, uh, Jatorian Hansford, and DJ Gordon making the top 10. Uh, Byron Brown obviously being the, the freshman quarterback. And then Will Jones coming off that torn ACL is uh, a grit guy. He's a top 10 grit guy. And then uh, Byron Matos coming over from basketball. He was there in the spring. He's a top 10 grit guy. Like that's – for me, that's pretty impressive. Then you've got, you know, your 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 standards, right? Cecil – uh, Harris Jacobs and, and Kelly Joyner kind of rounding out the top 10. It's a, it's pretty cool, pretty impressive uh, list. Um, I think Jeff Scott said on Wednesday during his press conference of the top 10 between spring or yeah, between winter and summer, only two people were in the top 10 both times. And that was Brad Cecil and me Harris, which is pretty cool. Steve, do you have the scale there offhand or do you have it on hand to uh yeah. to give reference here? It's so it's a it's a scale between zero and four. Uh so zero is like poor cool. or didn't show up uh to to it. So that takes it into account if say for instance there's an absence or anything like that, it's an automatic zero. Uh one is like below average, two was like good effort-ish. Uh, for for the thing, three was above average or like a great performance at the workout or conditioning, and they considered four to be like the championship standard. And you know what that championship standard is? Who knows how you differentiate a really good workout versus a championship level workout? But clearly, AJ Artis, who came over from Tennessee, um, you know, right? Yeah, it was Tennessee. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I should have those notes in front of me, but he, I mean, clearly this was something that was instilled in an SEC program and, you know, make the jokes about uh, Tennessee and the SEC championship. It's still a bunch of guys that are SEC blue chip recruits playing there and giving max effort. So, you know, when you put a comparable scale in there, I guess that that works too. I believe he said in at the conference that four was kind of like three is you yourself do having a really great effort, but it's just you. Four is like a, adding like the leadership component into it where you're dragging guys along or helping other guys do better. So that was kind of four was kind of more you are a leader and you're doing it and helping other guys. Three was closer to you're doing really well, but it's you're more focused on just you. So that makes sense why Brad Cecil's there because that that guy is just exudes juiced leadership. In the highest, I mean, and the nicest juice, not like the good juice, not the bad juice. Yeah, good juice. Uh, not, uh, I can't say that actually. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's so it should be no surprise that Brad Cecil at the, at the top here. I mean, he's kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, the, the face. He's a fan favorite. He's fun to watch. He's fun to interview. He seems like a guy in the locker room that's just bringing up everyone, uh, you know, metaphorically or you know, spiritually or whatever it needs to be. So no surprises uh, to see uh, Brad Cecil, the diesel at the top there. And three starting offensive linemen in the top five, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, Demontre Jacobs, kind of a under the radar signing. I feel like at the time, you know, you don't want your uh, offensive linemen to make a big name of themselves or anything, but we haven't heard uh, Demontre Jacobs named that often during the game, which is always a good sign. I thought he uh, had a good, think- I thought he had, he showed some really good, um, skill and, and some really good tools to go forward with last year. He, I think oh, he's I a guy that. that's he's so big and long armed um, mm-hmm. and he's got some athleticism. He's he's I think he may have the most kind of upside on the offensive line, even though he's not hasn't been here as long as some of the other guys. 
Right. He's he's definitely a guy that, you know, will probably end up finding his way onto a few draft boards when uh, when he's draft eligible. And, and you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is drafted at some point just because he's been pretty consistent and he was consistent basically all of last year. Uh, I don't think he really had any big, like mind numbingly bad performances or anything like that. Uh, and then, you know, Brad Cecil's best friend and, you know, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, Meech Harris there at number five. Again, good to see that you have, you know, three offensive linemen in the top like that. So, you know, might as well get your best friend involved at the same time. I swear, watching videos of Meech and, and Brad, it's like watching two five-year-olds that just had pixie sticks <laughs> at, a, at a youth baseball league. Like they're, they're just dudes having fun. Just guys being dudes. Just guys couple, being dudes. Just a couple of guys being dudes, man. Just a couple of guys being dudes. Um, I think kind of over, I know we talked about it last week, uh, some of the weight gains um, from that we kind of heard about. Uh, they had their official weigh-ins on Tuesday. Uh, Tramel Logan obviously was a big one. Uh, he went from, started when he got to USF, he was about 211. Uh, heading into summer, he was 237, and now he's up to about 250. Um, that's a, a guy along the defensive line who's uh, – he had the pass rush skill set. Um, I think he had like one of the only like three sacks in 2020 uh, on the defensive line. Uh, and it, I think it was in that Memphis game. Um, so getting him a little bit bigger, bulkier uh, is going to really kind of pay off. Um, Xavier Weaver put in, put up, uh, put on 10 pounds. Uh, we talked about. Uh, we want to throw up, you want to throw up the video? Yeah, absolutely. Let's throw it up here. Let's throw it up. Um, Wait up, man. Yeah, everybody out here. 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 A Joe, a Joe. What? Like, that is incredible. That's a brave man standing on that scale. Um, You think he's 230? Why would they lie? I don't know. He doesn't look like he carries it well if he's 230. He's, he's got pretty, that dad. He's pretty tall. Dad ripped. He's dad ripped. Any jokes? A Joe with Joe, like that that screen grab of a Joe with Joe doing that, that that's gonna get so much run out of me this year. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god, I I swear to God, whatever school gets lets a Joe with Joe score on them first is just gonna get that in their mentions for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Yeah, he, yeah. We, we said after the spring game, he's going to be a successful football player, or if he wants to stay in the athletic endeavor, he'll become a professional wrestler. Yeah, he's got the charisma. Yeah, uh, for for sure. Um, as I was mentioning, uh, Jimmy Horn put on ten pounds. We talked about that last week. Uh, Amaris Brown put on eleven pounds. He's up to like one ninety seven, I think now or close to it. Um, the cornerback from Kansas state, uh, Matthew Hill put on five pounds. Uh, I think the, the big one that kind of went under the radar, that's pretty impressive is uh, Zach Perkins from 
Maryland, the transfer offensive lineman from Maryland, uh, came came to USF weighing 342 pounds, and he weighed in at a sleek and slim 315 pounds. Like that's you transforming your body in eight weeks, and you know, running the hot Florida sun and getting your body right for 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 the season. That's uh, that that one kind of was uh, pretty impressive uh, for me. Do we also, um, actually, I'm going to send you something, Seth, something that I probably should have sent you a while ago. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, sorry. Hold on. We're, we're doing this. We're doing this live, folks. Um, speaking of adding weight and being good at sport, uh, I have the top 44 fastest speeds clocked by the USF football team. I know they had mentioned that. Uh, um, I know Jeff Scott had mentioned it previously but didn't really give numbers or stats or anything like that so uh let me get this over to uh so we can live react to or not nates let me get this over to seth so we can live react to it let's do it do you Um, think these do you think these numbers are accurate they're as accurate as we can get them in the reporting structures of college football's speed metrics and everything like that. Like they have like the fancy technology and like the, the weird packs and everything like that, that tracks that because there's really no good way to track it unless you, you know, do like the 40 time structure. So these were top speeds clocked by USF athletes. Um, and I'm going to say the word athlete because there's a wide variety of people on this list. So these were top speeds clocked. Um, I didn't get the details on when it was. I would imagine that this is during a hundred meter or a hundred yard sprint. Um, no, they just track you during. They just. I think they just go top speed during practice, like or during right. drills. So it could be a short area burst, I guess. It would could it be, be possible to zoom in. Oh my God. I oh know, my Lord. I, I know. Just demanding over here, Mister No Face. I know. No face, no case, man. Not much <laughs> zoom. Might have to download and throw it on a Foxit, but um, we'll we'll briefly skim through the top ten of Sincere Brown, Latrell Williams, Amara Dallas, and Xavier Weaver, Kelly Joyner, Will Jones. Biggest surprise to me, Garrett Reynolds. Uh, Followed by Jimmy Horn, Brian Norris. And why? Matt why Hill. is that surprising, Steve? What are you trying to say? Um, I'm going to be racially intolerant and say he is white. <laughs> <laughs> he's a gym um, rat. He workman, workman like track rat. Track rat, just absolute speed demon. I mean, he he's if he's like a six foot seven receiver, so he strides. It's um, amazing how fast you can be when you put down your lunch pail. Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, other notable names on this top 40 list and take um, off your hard hat, sneaky fast, <laughs> put it, put the blue collars to work. Um, you got Byron Brown and I think you have all well, Matt Hill's number Byron, 10. It looks like, yeah, Matt Hill, number 10, you get Byron Brown and at, at 22, there is the fastest quarterback. Um, you got Donovan Jennings and Rashawn Yates sneaking in there, uh, with Demontre Jacobs, Got some defensive linemen. Big boys are hashtag athletes, bro. Remember that. Big time. Athletes. Uh, who okay. can I make fun of? Um, let's see. You have a... There's some... Inter- yeah, there's some... Did you... I looked... I thought 23 was outrageous. So I was like, this has got to be wrong. 
But uh, oh, DJ Gordon at twenty three. So I went. No, I'm talking about twenty three. Sincere Brown at twenty three point three nine miles an hour. I thought that's oh. ridiculous. I've never seen one that high. Uh, so I went and looked up real quick. What's Usain Bolt's top speed of miles per hour? Uh, twenty seven point three three. So still, still a little, <laughs> bit, still a little different there. Holy <laughs> Lord, Jesus. <laughs> Well, didn't oh, Michael Lord. Scott run like a? Th- didn't he run like thirty-five miles an hour past that? Uh, That's true. That's the number. number. Beat so. it. So I mean, it's possible. Um, Interesting it, that uh, Bohannon is top speeds faster than Timmy McLean. Bohannon sneaky fast, workmanlike. Yeah, brings his lunch pail to work every day. He's a pretty. 100%. He's a pretty thick dude. He is. He's a pretty stocky guy. And you know, uh, you know who kind of surprised me with uh, how big they've gotten, or at least it looked like they've gotten a lot bigger. Uh, it's probably going to be st- stupid to you guys, but Antonio Greer looks absolutely swole. Um, let me see if I can find the picture I saw as we kind of talk about it. But uh, I mean, if this is the year that he's going to like jump onto the national scene, I think this is it. Like he's, He's had what back-to-back ninety tackle seasons for for the Bulls. He's been the, a key cog on a defense that I think without him probably would have been even worse over the last few years. Um, I I think this kind of defense really suits him and Dwayne Boyles like to a T. Like Seth, you and I have talked about it so much about how Dwayne Boyles attacking the quarterback, Antonio Greer attacking the quarterback was like that was the best version of themselves. And then them not doing it over the last couple of years was just kind of uh, alarming and kind of mind numbing to me. Yeah. I thought when uh, Spencer came in watching his other defense, I'm like, Oh, these guys are going to be, you know, boys are going to be on the edge a lot. Awesome. That'll be great. He was not. So yeah. Is Brian Norris back at linebacker? He is. He was taking second string reps today at practice well he ran uh almost 22 miles an hour so that's pretty good for a linebacker line con- converted linebacker at that just too. faster um, than uh matt hill who's no slow poke yeah that there's a brian norris is one of those guys that i to to me brian norris is my hole nailers everyone's always high on hole nailers for no reason the, like they're just like he's gonna have his breakout year this year. He's gonna he's gonna do it. He's gonna be the AAC Player of the Year. That's me with Brian Norris. I'm a Brian Norris <laughs> truther. I want Brian Norris to succeed so fucking bad. The dude is he's a good fucking dude. He works his ass off. I hear nothing but good things about him during practices. And then Glenn Spencer throws him out there and makes him fucking drop back in coverage on fucking run plays. It's stupid. Oh, stupid. Flynn Spencer well, eats my ass. Is he good at it? No. He's <laughs> passive. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm angry over here about Brian man. Norris being oh, misused man. by Glenn Spencer. Save yeah. this podcast. Oh Listen, I, I, I would imagine that would take some aggression. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just sit I don't think you can sit back and just wait your way through that oh get my us God. back in, get us back on track Nate hurry please nah I think we just I think we sit in it for a minute 
Just let it let it stew. That's what Glenn said. <laughs> Just sitting it for a minute. So I did. I did. I've seen a couple uh, videos from practice, and this was one I did see. An actual screen pass to the receiver. Out wide. I think it's the Xavier Weaver and the linemen are getting out in front of it. It's not just kind of a simple bubble screen or something like that. So I thought that was interesting. That's something we saw looking back at Trickett's old teams. Mm-hmm. And and one, one thing we talked about is, you know, the, the mythical thousand yard receiver. Looking back at Trickett's old offenses, if they have a guy that's by far and away the number one dude, they will feed him. So mm-hmm. if one of these guys breaks out, like Xavier Weaver, if he breaks out, then he could get like 70 catches and get himself close to that thousand yard number. But there's also other years where he's got a few different guys. And then you've got a guy with like 45 catches, a guy with, um, you know, 35. And there's like four or five guys over, you know, 25 to 30. So it could be like that. But I, hey, we're, we're pro trick it over here. Big Very much so. Yeah. Uh, speaking of thousand yard receivers, Nate, did you ever let people know what those collection of five schools were? No, not yet. We're gonna let that stew for a little bit longer. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm. I'm gonna write it before the season starts. Oh, there you go. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, I think looking back at you know Trickett's experience in the past and everything like that, the thing that I noticed uh, more than anything was that, especially at, at Florida Atlantic and Georgia State, like. There wasn't like a bevy of of variety to the receivers. I mean, it was probably like eight or nine guys, um, at least as far as you know, getting decent amount of catches. But like you know, the, I think this is probably the deepest wide receiver core that he's had to play with uh, as an offensive coordinator. You know, it's it's probably nice and refreshing to him that he can have three deep that are all extremely talented instead of a place, you know, like Georgia, Georgia state where, you know, you, you got a solid number one receiver. You probably got, mm-hmm. you know, some good guys on that first team, but after that, there's a steep drop off in talent and you might be throwing a walk on, 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 you know, your threes instead of having a guy like Chofford Brown at number yeah. three instead. Right. And you guys, um, you guys kind of touched on it uh, in our Slack channel. I think it was yesterday, uh, pulling up real quick. Steve, you mentioned Penny Hart at Georgia State had 74 catches in, in 2017. Um, I think he ended up with a close to like 900 and something yards. Uh, Caleb Woods at FAU in 2016 had 68 receptions. Uh, I think, uh, Seth, you, you mentioned it like if, you, if you're the top guy, he'll feed you. And uh, what both of those seasons, um, they were like second, yeah, they were like 30 plus receptions clear of second place. So if there, if there is a number one guy, he makes sure to get them in, get the ball into that person's hands. Now, who the number one guy is, is still a question. I think it's probably still a Xavier Weaver. I mean, the guy, uh, what finished with 58 catches uh, last year, averaged over 17 yards per catch. Uh, if he hadn't missed those couple of games, he uh, he would have been pretty close to to the school record for I think yards and yards in a season, um, and it was it was pretty impressive what he was able to do downfield with a true freshman quarterback. Now you get someone like Gary, you can kind of hit the the underneath the intermediate and be a little bit more consistent downfield. That's 
where Timmy really struggled late in the year last season when there were some game film on him. It was he wasn't getting those downfield shots as often and as at will as it seemed earlier on in the season. I know he hit, he hit a couple against Florida, uh, a couple against FAMU and so on. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see kind of how that dynamic shakes out. And then I, I'm really high on Joe. I mean, uh, Joe, Joe, he's got the body for it. I think he's going to be a really good addition. Jimmy Horn still in the slot. I, I, we, we talked about it on, on last week's podcast. Like this is the, like one of the one positions where you're just not like, there will be talent, whoever, whoever's out there, you'll feel fine with being out there. This isn't a 2019 situation where Bryce Miller is your only guy because everyone else is actually bad or just hurt. Yeah, we're running in quicksand. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think this is the receiver group. I don't know if you'll get that number one guy just because there are so many good options. Um, I'm a big, you know, I'm a Jimmy Horn lover. My big, my, yeah, I think he's the best receiver on the team. I think he might be the best player on the team. Uh, he's so explosive. Um, but yeah, Weaver's really good too. A Jojo, um, I haven't seen a ton of him. We saw him in the spring. He looks like he's got the frame and can do some things with, he's got super long arms. He's kind of, I mean, we saw, you saw him flexing. Um, so he, he'll definitely add it. And he, and what's nice is they're like, those three guys are different. They're not, it's not all the same. Like that was, I thought that was the issue back when I first started on in 2019, you had a bunch of big, tall, straight line guys that are, were, you know, when you ask them to run a full route tree and really have to break down and get in and out of cuts, that wasn't what they were good at. They were better for the deep shots, just go run straight down the field, run post, run go routes, not getting in and out of every, every cut. Like they were asked to do that year. The only guy that could do it, Bryce Miller. Now you've got guys that I think have a variety of skill sets. You've got guys like Daquan Stanley, who's kind of waiting in the wings a little bit and has gotten some love for making the switch. And he was a guy that his tape in high school was unbelievable on the offensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. And I remember Steve and I talking about it and being like, why are they moving into defense? He looks unbelievable on offense. And it's nice, it's nice that he's going back. That shows they also have depth on defense where he can move back. But much you're in a much better position. I think there were five or six guys that receiver here that are better than anybody you had in 2019. Yeah, absolutely. And Steve, I think you mentioned, and I think you mentioned it like this is the, the most talented wide receiver room since yeah, MVS and and you know Tyree McCants and, and Rodney Adams kind of roam the, the sidelines. Yeah, and the thing about that team or that recite that receiver group is it was pretty top heavy. You know, your top three guys were really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Two two NFL players and a guy who probably should have gotten a fair shake at the NFL. You know, that's that's nothing to, to stroke at. But after that, you kind of had a talent drop off a little bit. So it, it definitely is nice that you can kind of look and compare it to that, that you know, Marquez Valdez, Scantling and Rodney Adams kind of situation when you have Xavier Weaver and uh, Jimmy Horn there. Um, you know, I'm curious to see, I, I'm less concerned about who's going to be the starting receivers for, for USF. They made it abundantly clear in all the conversations that there's, these guys are rotating, mm-hmm. you know, the starters are probably going to get uh, 60% of the run. Um, and then, you know, the, the twos and threes will get the, the extra 40% getting in fresh legs. That's going to be the key thing is, you know, if, if a Jimmy Horn, you know, on a, on a, 
long or long ish dry and starts getting a little gassed, you can sub in a Daquan Stanley who's just as fast as we've seen and still be able to get a fresh leg in there on a defensive back who could be probably getting tired at that point and might be getting a little lazy. And you can also throw a guy like Xavier Weaver, who's a huge deep threat, keep him, you know, running down the field deep and then throw a Joe, a Joe on the same route, a couple, you know, things later. And now that DB might not be jumping as high and a Joe, a Joe with his 11 foot three arm length can probably get up there and and high point the ball pretty well. So, you know, it's not just about having the, the top three guys. It's being able to rotate those guys in and out effectively and, and, you know, putting in a guy that can take advantage of, of any fatigue on the other side. And don't forget about one of my personal favorites. Go to college for seven years. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) seven years. Fucking seven. Doctor Latrell Williams. Doctors. Or doctors or Latrell Williams. He's back and he's running quite fast, according to the numbers. Yeah. So I think he was second, wasn't he? He was up there. He was. yeah, second at twenty two point seven. So I mean, fresh off an ACL tear, man, that's uh, that's pretty damn good. And it, I, it, I think a lot of people forget that the play he got hurt on it was like a forty yard catch and run by yeah. Latrell Williams. Like he was, he was booking it. So it's he's not, finally kind of broken out on one we've been waiting right. for, and then he got hurt. And then he got hurt on a pretty like inconspicuous kind of tackle. It just kind of. I think his foot got stuck in the ground and he yeah. went over and that was it. Um, so that's, that's unfortunate. Um, let's see what, what else do I actually want to talk about? Oh, a couple of um, medical retirements. Uh, we, we already talked about smoke Davis having to medically retire Kenny Shribner, who was the backup punter and actually starting holder uh, hurt his knee. And he is uh medically retiring he's actually going to go work with the uh, equipment staff um smoke is going to stay on as a student coach and then uh zach mendoza correct yes from snow college i want to make sure i got the name right um he tree was the transfer in the offensive line transfer and in may uh they Got him in for the physical, um, had some heart issues. They they were looking, they they do the EKG, they found something that wasn't great. So he had to medically retire, um, but he'll stay on for the next couple of years per Jeff Scott uh, as a student coach as well. Uh, it's unfortunate for him. He moved from Utah with his wife um, to come play football here. And it just, it, health-wise, it just, it didn't work out for him. Um, I got a pretty good shake out of it though. Moving from Utah to, to Florida. Yeah, it's not terrible. <laughs> he got a nice, uh, some assurance about his medical conditions. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, a, a happy thing. Let's, let's get it back up. Um, Seth, can you pull up a clip from the USF football Twitter account? Um, uh, do we want to talk about the yeah, I know which one three special about. teams additions? Nate, we can't forget our special teams. You can talk additions. about them while Seth pulls this clip up. Uh, Matt Gresham had to retire, right? So he, they, uh, yes, that sucked. Um, well, he just he decided to leave the team. Right. Yeah. Um, good for him. Uh, making your own decisions and everything like that. Uh, Zach Sessa uh, was a name that 
was a blast from the past for me when I first heard Jeff Scott say it. And I had to do like a triple take and I searched his name for like five minutes before I finally found the uh, correct spelling of it. Uh, the Venice High School kicker from 2019. Uh, he was being recruited like nationally. Uh, he was like one. Of, he was like the best kicker in the country at the time, and uh, it was at Florida for a little bit. Now he's back down in Tampa. So getting another guy to transfer back home to Tampa is always a good thing. But this is more important. All right. Are we ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to recognize uh, Marcus Simpson. Another big moment. As of today, you're on. And uh, that is uh, USF cornerback Tamarcus Simpson, also known as. T-Mac Simpson, uh, per the online roster. Uh, he is the Western Michigan, uh, transfer, Eastern, Michigan. East, Eastern Michigan transfer. Pardon me. Don't want to, I, I, how dare I upset Stan Heath like that? Uh, Eastern Michigan transfer corner. Uh, he came in and walked on last year, uh, just due to how things shook out, even though he's, tr- I don't really understand how it all works out anymore. Uh, he played extensively last season as uh, injuries started to pile up. Now on full scholarship, so uh, good for him. That's a that's a burden. That's one less burden for him and the, his family to kind of have to deal with. Uh, and, and man, those scholarship videos will never get old. No, those are all. That's kind of what the you know great thing about college football is when those kind of moments and that kind of camaraderie. So it's always awesome to see those. And I'm glad that more teams are kind of putting those out now. So yeah, absolutely. Um, let's let's do a little recruiting, and then we can kind of wrap up. Um, unless there's something pressing that we want to discuss, Steeg, uh, over the last what handful of day, what starting on Monday, I believe, uh, of the official offers, yes, started to yep. go up, like the ones that you could actually commit to, uh, right. started this being is- handed out. Yeah, it's it's this is where uh, rubber meets the road, uh, where the where the sausage gets made, uh, where everything starts getting processed, as we like to uh, say in the recruiting business. So, this is where uh, schools can officially uh, give offers on August first first to uh, to these kids, and you'll start seeing more official stuff from USF involving recruits come out. Um, the fun way you can kind of differentiate, you know, levels of commitments is who made the graphic if it's the school that made the graphic or if it's just the random uh hayes Fawcett or you know on free recruiter whoever it is so um you'll see some very interesting things out of those guys sometimes but yeah so official uh offers started to go out uh usf sent out about mm, 15 or 16 of them really not that much and i think that's kind of a good segue into what this recruiting class is going to kind of look like um we did get a, a commitment out of uh, Hewitt, Trustville, uh, Alabama, uh, Connor Knight. Uh, again, phenomenal graphic, not made by the school. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he's he's a, he's a big defensive lineman out of Alabama. Uh, had about 37 offers from just all over. Notre Dame was calling for him. Uh, Miami, Florida State. 
it's usually really good when you can uh, get a guy uh, away from those two in-state schools um, amongst other SEC programs as well that were courting him. And then I think more importantly at a time where, you know, the, the, the brand has become bigger than the soul is Jackson state was also recruiting, um, you know, good old Dion was, was calling on Connor as local as possibly could. So getting, uh, getting Connor to commit was a big deal. Um, you know, his interview that he had with Will Turner was fantastic as well. If you ever want to, if you want to plug, uh, Will's interview with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I that guess. gives, yeah, he's a nice kid. Um, <laughs> so a- that gives USF their third commit of the cycle. And if you've been paying attention around the state, this is about the time this this late July, early August time frame is usually the time frame in which you'll see a lot of commits start rolling in. A lot of the blue chip guys will get committed before their season starts. They want to lock in their scholarships, especially on the first day that you can get that official offer and start going. You know, we uh, we had our our lovely rivals to the Obitos to get four blue chip guys you know, out of, out of nowhere, um, some of them local. Um, so, you know, Florida went from being a laughing stock to getting, being one of the hottest teams in the country, but USF has kind of been stagnant. And, you know, with three guys committed on the cycle, you can kind of say, Oh, what's going on? Like, why are we not getting, you know, these local guys, why are we not getting more kids on the, on the recruiting game? But, and it, it's a philosophy that I think is starting to change the recruiting cycle a little bit. You don't want to throw all of your scholarships out the window in the summer because the transfer portal is as limber and loose as it is right now. Guys are going to start entering the portal as the season progresses. You know, these guys have been in college football programs for a year, two years, maybe three or four years, and maybe looking for a new home, looking for a fresh start. And USF could be that fresh start for them. You know, we're not going to be the primary for a blue chip recruit. They might throw us in their top five or top 10 and, you know, that'll be nice at the end of the day, but it'd be, it'd be very hard pressed to say that USF is in the position to take any blue chip recruits coming off of, you know, a a three and 18 for the last two years. So we don't have a lot of momentum riding in that sense, but we do have a lot of momentum in the transfer portal sense and being a positive rebounding play for those guys that spent two years at North Carolina or a year and a half at Baylor or, however long that were maybe originally from the Tampa Bay area and looking to come back home and right. you know be closer to family. So I, I think what Jeff Scott's philosophy is, is it's innovative. It's going to frustrate the shit out of fans. It's going to frustrate the shit out of the recruiting services too, because they have no problem waiting, which is very unlike a group of five program. You know, they, I, I think long gone are the days where USF is going to take a, 80 overall, a 79 overall kid from, you know, Tampa Bay Tech or something like that, they're still going to get quality guys. The three guys they have committed right. are three really high quality guys that were getting courted by big schools. And everyone would, should be pleased about that. But, you know, you can't really compare apples to oranges when we're not in the same conference as most of these schools that are recruiting in the state right now. So I, I think it's a new philosophy and you don't want to blow your load. You don't want to throw all these scholarships out the window now when you could get a guy later and it doesn't make a difference if they commit now or if they commit on December 12th, whatever the last day of early signing day is, or if it's in February, you know, Michael Williams came in, he's our highest rated player in the class last year. He committed the day before national signing day. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, yeah. if we, if, Go yeah. ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, if we took a, a lowly three-star tight end from, you know, bumfuck nowhere, we don't have room for him. Or if we try to make room for Michael Williams. They don't play anyone. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you, you know, as, as it's not, I think it's a smart um, strategy to, if you're going to sign high school guys in the early signing period, they got to be, they got to be, they got to fit everything you want. Don't kind of reach in the early signing period because, like you said, you have scholarships for the transfer portal. And then as the transfer portal shakes out and guys get told that maybe they're not a take anymore at some larger schools, well, now if you've been recruiting those guys and kind of keeping them warm, now they kind of get pushed down a level. You know, so let you know, let's say Alabama gets some huge receiver transfer in, or Florida State gets a huge receiver transfer in. They were recruiting a guy that thought he was going to Florida State, and then the last minute they go, eh, we're giving your scholarship to this recruit. You're not a take anymore here. Well, now all of a sudden you got a guy that's been that's a pretty good player that's now back on the market, and a lot of the bigger schools are trying to fill up an early signing day. So I think it behooves you to wait for the second signing period to really go after the high school guys and go after what's left. And there's some pretty good players that are left. Now it gets pretty competitive there because you'll see new staffs like last year, Florida and Miami both had new staffs and they signed what they could in the early signing period, but they also went really hard after like the top uncommitted players post signing the LSU did the same thing. So you'll get some of that, but if you're smart and understand where kids go, you really can have, you really can get some quality players late that for whatever reason, like the, the kid from Michigan, he had some stuff that seemed like fall through in the early signing period because of an injury. Well, then you get him after the fact and now you got a really good player and you know, you, you didn't have to sweat and probably expend as much resources in recruiting him. So I think it's a smart strategy and it's something you're seeing happening in other sports now. Um, they CBS Sports just did a, like a big three part article on Florida's new basketball coach, who's really super analytically analytically driven. And he said that's his strategy. He's not gonna he'll recruit high school guys if he gets really good ones committed, like five stars and high four star guys. He'll take them. Other than that, he's going into the portal because he wants guys that are proven and proven you can play. His, his his thought was, you know, you could draft guys or you could sign proven free agents, and you, since you don't get as you don't get as many you know spots as you would in a professional league, right? Go with the proven thing if you can get it. I mean, and this kind of is goes back to what USF was actually pretty good at historically is getting guys to transfer back home. Um, you know, Tyrone McKenzie was a transfer. Uh, Kuika Mitchell was a transfer. JPP transferred in like the, the guys who were like big time people for USF, you know, back in the day, they were a lot of them were trans guys who transferred in Rodney Adams, you know, MVS was a transfer. And uh, so it, it, it's the, that's always going to be there for USF where it may not be for maybe an FAU FIU type of school where like, I mean, it's still USF. It's still Tampa. It's still a great area. It's you're still playing some top caliber teams. It, that's the drawback, right? It, like that's the drawing. You're uh, there's a former coach. I, I used to talk to who um, would say, you know, we're not going to get, we're not going to get the, the four-star guys out of high school, but we are, if we don't get them when they come back, that's where we're messing up. 
that's that's where USF is going going to fall. Is if if we start missing on the guys, the four stars, the you know the low fives, whatever whatever high threes that decide okay uh it's cold in minnesota or you know what iowa wasn't all that great and you start missing on those guys who want to transfer out and come closer to home that's when usf is going to start to struggle and what jeff scott and the staff has done is really uh taken that to heart and made sure that they're not missing on those guys nearly as often as they used to and that's where we're seeing um the, the greatest benefit for this roster turnover, this roster change. I think Jeff Scott's probably turned over what close to 90% of the roster since he's been here. Pretty close about, to yeah. it. And it, it's, it shows that this is the most talented roster that he's had. And a lot of them are transfers with some ties to either USF to the coaching staff, what have you. And they've done a really good job of making sure that they sh- they hit on those guys. Yeah. SMU is a really good blueprint for this with the kind of similar circumstances. They got, they kind of lucked out a little bit because when they first started doing this, it was kind of brand new and people hadn't quite gotten into the portal. I think they took like 30 transfers in the first couple of seasons or something like that. It may have been even the, you know, it was crazy amount of transfers that came in and played. And now what they do is they they had some success, so now you mix in some really high level high school guys. I think that um, Rice, that's the receiver now, and Bentley, who <laughs> unfortunately transferred away, I think he was a highly rated recruit that they got. And then they, you know, then you have your transfer quarterback in there, and you kind of mix those up, and now you have a pretty good team, and you kind of can build yourself there. So I think they're probably a good model to fall, even though it won't be quite as. I don't think it'll be quite as quick, and we've seen it hasn't been quite as quick because they were kind of on the leading edge of this and really got in there before people were all over the transfer portal. Right. Absolutely. Um, Let's wrap up one last thing. Uh, Some NIL stuff that, you know, we want to kind of touch on. I know uh, Steve, you you had something with, uh, with Remy or you kind of wanted to discuss that and we'll kind of go Big picture, I know there was something that kind of came out um, on Thursday evening, uh, or at least hints of whatever it could be. So I kind of wanted to touch on that as well. Uh, Steve, let's go. Let's start with you first, and we'll wrap up with uh, the other thing that dropped uh, on Thursday. Yeah, so um, I was just perusing through Twitter, as I normally do uh, during my work day, during a work break, and uh, came across this, uh, this account called clutch sports uh and did a little research and i was like oh cool you know i didn't know that there is a usf nil shop that was specifically designed for the players themselves that was kind of as a collective um well not a collective but it was like advertising them all together instead of just like a one-off that like one of the players is doing so Mm -hmm. i did a i I was i I did what any sensible person does and i go to the about page (laughs) and right uh I I found a you know a familiar face, one that I kind of saw last year when I was going through the USF roster and thought it was very interesting and didn't really dig too much into it. But Remy Bukowski was a trench from Temple, uh, originally from Fork Union, and he's originally from Canada. And he and someone else who is unnamed in this uh, started this uh, you know NIL shop for the various players on our team. Um, you know, I, I think this is absolutely fantastic that we have something like this. I'm all for supporting the guys on their individual shots, but to get something like professionally made like this, that is for USF by USF is completely different. 
you know, some of these other NIL shops are done in supportive of a bigger initiative, but for, for clutch and for what this is, I mean, by all accounts, this is just for USF athletes. This is just for the USF football players. And as you can see, they've done some really good Photoshopping. Um, some, some very key things are missing on these, uh, these pictures, but, oh, there we go. Love chat. Here we go. They're, they're here for the NIL opportunities as well. But, whoa, uh, yeah. whoa, whoa. <laughs> let me, uh, let, me un- <laughs> let me unbutton real quick. Oh, yes. Uh, but, you know, fan favorites are, are included on this. Brad Cecil, Jimmy Horn, Tatum McLean, Trey Marsh. You know, these are guys that have been in the forefront of the program. And you can get merch that goes and supports them. You can, you can support Jimmy Horn directly now. Steve, you're, you're a oh, horn dog. I'm, you look, I'm big horn. You're a horn dog. You love Jimmy Horn. You can get some merch. Yeah. It's, pardon my French. This is fucking fantastic. Like this is this is exactly what the NIL opportunities are for. Is for you to be able to represent your favorite college football player and support them through their endeavors through life and and more importantly, give them that cold, hard, sweet cash legally. That's right. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, Remy, fantastic job. If you listen to this, great stuff here. If you want to support the grit champion, grit champion Brad Cecil, get a, get Brad Cecil a grit shirt. Look at the post right here, or look at the look at the pose right here. That's a that's a that's a low monkey yoga pose there. There you go. Uh, let's see. So that's a good spot to support those guys. They all have kind of individual things there. You can. Get what is their Twitter handle, Steve? If people want to follow them on Twitter to see more, uh, you 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 need to give me more heads up than this. Well, their their you website. <laughs> if you guys want to go to their if you want to go to their website to check out the gear, it's clutchicons.com. And on well, Twitter, it is at clutchicons. And I'm I'm willing to bet it is the same on Instagram, which is where they put most of their stuff. Um yeah, yes, it is score. at clutch icons. Uh, if you missed it, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but uh, grit score was uh, based on a four-point scale. A four was excellent effort and great leadership. Three was you know excellent individual effort. Two was good effort. One was below average effort. And a zero is you didn't show up or you quit. Um, so when you see the top 10, those guys that are above three and a half, meant they might have got more fours. Than threes, right? So pretty good. And uh that all that the whole top ten was over three point two, I think. So yeah. That's good. Do we want to get to the other yeah, absolutely NIL possibility? Yep. It seems like this is pretty similar. This is a similar kind of thing to the clutch sports, I would think, or the clutch icons, rather. We have Robert Steeg's tweet here. Plug me. Oh. Oh. But yeah, so Corey here, I'm not even going to try to say his last name. He uh, he works with Dreamfield, which is an NIL group. Uh, I think it's founded by or partly founded by Mackenzie Milton and Derek King, right? Yep. Two people that absolutely love Just, USF for sure. So thrilled about that. Uh, so um, he said he's in, this is from eight o'clock tonight or this Thursday night here. 
Um, just got done speaking with USF football. It says we got a big NIL Friday. And you see a logo that probably says something about Fowler, I would imagine, and has a little bull in the logo. It's actually referencing so, the Charlie Strong era at USF. Just the foul. Just, foul. just foul. There you go. So to me, I would think that this is what they're going to now excuse um, the share here. But this is I think this is what this is going to be. I haven't seen it. We haven't seen anybody else talking about it, but it's basically going to be, I think, a USF version of this. This is Mission Control is what the name is. Sorry for putting this on your screens, but uh, it's a it's a Central Florida group. Uh, only place where Night Nation and athletes can come together for unique fan experiences powered by Dreamfield Co., not affiliated with UCF Athletics. So the assumption would be that whatever that logo is when they reveal it tomorrow is going to be a version of this. It seems to be this is a really athlete-facing front face. I'd let the athlete face front. We'll get that off the screen, guys. I'm sorry. But it's it's kind of lets the athletes go direct, kind of have a market they can go directly to and, and kind of make – deals here and there for themselves. Um, I've seen some places do like, Hey, can you give my little brother a birthday shout out or give my son a birthday message? Um, kind of like a cameo type thing, but yeah, I found it on Twitter already. (laughs) Throw the logo. It's, it's, it's at Fowler Avenue. (laughs) Is that, or is that the, uh, I mean, it's 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 as it's as good as I can get it. <laughs> Howard Biden, Fowler Avenue, Fowler Avenue, collect break breaking news on the live Daily Stampede podcast. The premier USF searches at Fowler Ave and finds it within <laughs> two seconds. Uh, yeah. So here we go. They 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 follow Dreamfield, and there are. Huh. Yeah. Followed Ooh, by Travis. How many people are watching tonight? Followed by Travis know. Trickett. Who knows? Well, here's the followers. Just hey, I see a, I see a couple of names. Don't 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 let me uh don't don't, don't give me any any gripe in life. Don't give me any breadcrumbs. I'll ruin your surprises for Steve. So there you go. So there's the, there's you, there's the, uh, there it is. So I imagine it would be. I'm on their website. Sorry. I'm you, we, we should probably cut this. We should probably end this now before we, before we, uh, we get the government on our backs. Oh, too late. I screenshot it and, uh, quote retweeted it. So you're all right. (laughs) Big gov. We're all right. The feds yeah what are they gonna do anyway uh man this went off the rails uh real quick we'll be back uh probably next week again um we'll have a full week of fall camp to discuss uh some more uh interviews with uh or you know media sessions so we'll kind of go uh through that and uh what we're what like four more four more weekends away is that right we're less than a month something like that so one two three yeah three weekends away he was excited. No, four weekends away. Sorry, I wasn't counting this this coming weekend. Four weekends away from USF football. 
I appreciate you guys tuning in, listening, download the podcast, subscribe, like, subscribe, subscribe to the YouTube channel, because then you'll get the auto, the automatic notification that the, the video is about to go live. The podcast is about to go live. Check it us, check us out on iTunes, rate us, uh, give us five stars. Even if you hate us, uh, we're on Spotify, all the other uh, streaming platforms as well. Shout out Anthony Vito for always, uh, making us sound better and look better than we actually are, even though I look pretty good uh, here uh, this evening. Um, but make sure you guys check us out. We'll have content up uh, in the coming days and weeks as we prep for college football season. Uh, check us out. Stampede SBN uh, at Robert Stieg life at Seth Farnador. I'm at bulls, Nathan SBN. Make sure you check us out. Give us a follow. Give us a like, like us on Facebook. Um, what else? What else? What else? I think that's it. For Seth Stieg, I am Nathan Bond. Thank you for another. Uh, thank you for listening to another edition of the Blue Mountain Podcast. Go Bulls! Go Bulls! Go Bulls!